All right. So last time we were talking about becoming familiar with the spirit, excuse me, becoming uh, familiar with the spirit of God and trying to remember what we what all we said about that but I guess it was just that everything everything in in Christianity that is truly good and righteous and pleasing to the Lord and effective in ministry is to be done in and by the spirit and we, I think I listed a bunch of verses that uh, that talk about that. Paul talking about uh, walking in the Spirit, needing to walk in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, um, beginning in the Spirit, and not not trying to come to maturity in the flesh. Um, Jesus talks about worshiping God in the Spirit. Paul also says, we are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit, um, living in the spirit. There's all, all kinds of wor- uh, phrases in the New Testament that talk about the need to, to do, do all things that we do in the spirit or by the spirit. And that's really what, that's really what the church is, is. That's really what a Christian is. It's, it's not uh, a person that uh, is convinced of certain doctrines or that does certain activities. A Christian is supposed to be a person who is being led and changed and filled and governed by the Spirit of God in any, in any way. And that's kind of what we talked about when we talked about the apostasy. Any, any way that Christianity gets away from a, a real familiarity with the Spirit of God, a true experience of the Spirit of God. It 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 gets away from the only thing that makes it anything. It gets a, it gets away from the the only thing that that uh, makes it different than any other religion or any other life philosophy or any other set of beliefs, because the beliefs don't make it. Like, the correct beliefs aren't what make it better than anything else. It's this. It's the presence and power of God. It's the life of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the truth of the living truth of God working in the soul of man. And the the true doctrines are are wonderful, but they point to the to the living spirit. It makes me think of Moses when he's in the wilderness. Remember the, the story where he says. Um, Lord, if you, if you don't go with us, the Lord was, you know, uh, talking about how they're a stiff-necked people and they're rebellious and he's going to depart from them. And, and and Moses says, Lord, if you don't go with us, don't even bother sending us up from here. Don't don't lead us forward. What, what, what could possibly be good about us going anywhere unless you are in the midst of us? How could anyone, he says, uh, know that... Um, that we're different than any other nation or something like that, unless the, the presence of God is among us. And, and that is so absolutely true of a, of a real Christian, of what it's supposed to, what real Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a, 
a body of believers who are being led by the Spirit, who are putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit of God, who are being washed and sanctified and justified by the Spirit of God, being transformed into the same image by the Spirit, being sanctified by the Spirit, knowing the one who abides in us and in whom we abide by the Spirit who dwells in us. There's, I don't know how many uh, scriptures, but a whole lot of them in the in the New Testament that should make any sincere seeking heart ask the question what is this spirit who is this spirit and how do i know how do i know him and how do i experience his work and if if that's not taking place in us if we're settling for just intellectual beliefs about god bible study um, that that stays in our head um uh, all kinds of activities or, or committees or anything else that Christianity can be, singing or anything that that doesn't bring the heart to a living experience of the Spirit of God, then I, uh, I believe you have found something different than what the New Testament describes as Christianity. Jesus described his followers as branches that abide in his vine and live by his sap and produce his fruit. He said that the main criteria of being a follower of him is to lose the life that we have in the flesh and to live a new life that is born from above. These are very familiar scriptures to many, but um, again, as I said, I think last week, the, the reality of, of actually being familiar with that spirit is um, is unfortun- unfortunately too, too uncommon. And I think it's right to say that every every Christian, every true Christian has their beginning by the spirit. Everyone starts in the spirit. And what I mean by that is if you have any real beginning of, of knowing God that happens in your heart, it's not because you learned a book. It's not because your parents were Christians. It's not because you go to a church. It's because at some point in your, in your life, you were visited in your dark state, in your blindness, in your deadness, in your sinfulness. You were visited by the Spirit of God in a way that made you realize that he's real and you're contrary to him. Something of that nature has happened to everyone who's ever become a Christian. There's, there's, you were in Egypt and Moses came and said that it's time to leave. That ha- in, a, in an inward sense, that happened. You were living in Sodom and Gomorrah and two angels came and took you by the hand and said, it's time to get out of here. We got to go because this whole place is going to be destroyed. And if you stay in it, you'll be destroyed with it. So it's, it, let's leave. That happened to you. You may not have ever attached it to that story or those stories, but, but that happened to everyone who has, uh, who has started because there's no other start. It, it, what I mean is there's no other 
There's no other place to start except when the heart in some way is reached to by the Spirit of God. Man has no capacity, no ability whatsoever of starting to be a Christian. You can't just decide you want to do it. You are dead, naturally speaking, dead in sin and trespass. You are blind. The natural man does not know the things of God, cannot understand the things of God, cannot please God in the flesh. The flesh the flesh is enmity with God. It, it cannot, cannot know God. And, and in that nature, man can do nothing for himself. Absolutely nothing. You can't just pick a religion or pick a virtue you want to do. You can try to do things that, that are called good, but you'll only do them for the reason that you do everything. You'll do them for the same reason that, that, that you... Um, that you get angry at your neighbor because of self. Self will try to be righteous so that self has some kind of a gain. But the only kind of real righteousness and real truth and real wisdom and real life and real anything comes by the Spirit of God. And man can't just flick a switch and be spiritual. We are in a situation that we've come into by natural birth, being born of fallen parents, where we need to be visited by the Spirit of God. And that's how everything starts. You may not have even understood that it was the Spirit of God. You might have just felt like suddenly you just knew that God was real or that you were a sinner or that something that there was something bigger and more real than your natural life. You might not have even had words to, to put to it. But what that is, that thing that comes and that awakens and stirs and moves and shakes and visits and pulls and points to a different life, to a different way, is not you. You can't start Christianity. God has to love you first. And that's exactly what he does. When we are weak, when we are nothing, God loves us first. And in that love, he visits us by his spirit. He sends Moses into our Egypt and says, the whole place is going to be destroyed. You got to get out. He sends two witnesses into Jericho and says, God's going to destroy this whole place. But if you are willing to paint this blood over your window, put this scarlet cord over your window and, and agree with God's judgment and join to Israel, then you'll live. That's what he does. That's, that's who he is. And he does it in his kindness. He does it over and over again to people. And so every, every Christian uh, starts in, in the spirit. And... and and that's kind of what Paul's getting at in Galatians 3. I think we might have looked at this verse a few weeks ago. but it, He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Well, they, begun, they began in the Spirit, and we began in the Spirit. 
all of us who have, have began and begun. And and that's the only reason why any of us have any thought of God at all in our hearts. You have to understand that man apart from God is a completely dark creature. Uh, he doesn't, he, he's, the only goodness that appears in man comes from the visitations and convictions and turnings and, and, and dealings of God's spirit in man. Apart from man, as we saw in Galatians or in Genesis, every thought and intent of man's heart is only evil all the time. Be, that's just because the only good that exists is God. And the only way that man experiences goodness is when man experiences God. And so apart, apart from the experience of the living God, man cannot be anything other than a self, completely self-consumed, self-loving, self-pursuing, self-obsessed creature that pursues the lust of his flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the, and, and the pride of his own life. That's just what man is. That's what's in the world apart from God. And so I'm saying that because when you start to begin to feel convictions for being that way, those convictions don't arise from that nature. That's Your flesh isn't convicting you for being fleshly. And Satan isn't dividing himself against his own house. He's not convicting you, saying, you know what, you really shouldn't do that. That's not his job. He's trying to get us to turn as quickly and as, as fully as we can to the flesh because in that way we turn away from God. And, and, and so if, if man wasn't visited by the Spirit of God and made to feel his lack of God, his lack of life, his lack of goodness, his lack of truth, his lack of all these things, um, man would just happily continue or, or miserably continue, I guess, in, in his own uh, uh, emptiness and deadness and darkness and 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 yet there's something that happens to every man and every woman in this world and what is it what is it that happens to everyone at least in some times in some seasons it's the grace of god appears to all men bringing salvation teaching them to deny what they are and what they live in, deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, and to look for and reach for and turn to the blessed appearing of something that's completely a life, a nature, a coming of a different king, of a different kingdom that's completely different than all that they find in themselves naturally. That's what the grace of God does, and it, and it does it to everybody. Not everybody listens to it, and not everybody receives and, and, ex and experiences the salvation that it wants to bring, but everyone's visited by it. And, and that's why I say that everyone begins in the Spirit, because apart from that kind of a beginning, all, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no beginning. There's no beginning at all. And, and I think, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about today, um, is that it's, it's not that people begin wrong. I think we all, and how many of you, and don't raise your hand or anything, but how many of you guys have seen people have a real sincere beginning of their hearts being awakened and turned to God, and yet 
watch that sincerity and that dealing of the spirit and that awakened sensibility of their condition slowly or quickly drift away and become nothing. I feel like I've seen that so many times. How many of you seen how many of you have seen that same kind of beginning that that seems living, that seems green, like if you break open the branch there's greenness in it. It's come it's coming right from the sap. It, there's something real there. How many of you seen that turn into uh, in, instead of staying alive, hold on to the beliefs, hold on to the doctrines, st- keep going, keep keep the church attendance, but become a rigid, hard, dry branch that loses loses its life. Why does that happen? Well, I think that like one of the main disorders, or maybe you could say the main disorder, although I could probably use a bunch of different language to describe this or, or, or approach it from different angles. But one of the main ways, I think, to say that wh- what's wrong? Why does this happen? If the Spirit of God, if the grace of God appears to all men, bringing salvation, what is going on when we look around us in the church and in the world? If, the, if there's a light that enlightens every man that comes into the world, if there's a Spirit that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment... If there's a God of love who waits on high to show compassion, as Isaiah says, that calls to us again and again, waking up his prophets early in the morning and sending them out, saying perhaps they will listen. If that's God, and God by his spirit is reaching and grace is appearing, then why, why is there so... Someone actually called me this week and, um, and asked me that uh, question. Why is the... Why are there so few that grow? And, I, and if I, again, if I had to try to maybe answer that question in a few words, I would, I would maybe say that it is because those who have begun by the Spirit do not generally learn to stay with the Spirit, cling to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live close to the Spirit. We, we experience something of the Spirit, and then we run off from the Spirit. The Spirit stays just as real as it, as it, as it was when it visited us. Moses comes into Egypt, brings us out, and pretty quickly we're grumbling against Moses and running our own way, building a golden calf. Angels visit us in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, grab us by the hand, say, we've got to get out now and go to the mountain. And we say, you know what? That's really far away. Can't we just stay in this little town right here? It's a lot closer. That's what, that's what Lot did. We, we, we experience something of the Spirit and we, we run off. We run off in, uh, in, in the doing of our own will. Not doubting what we experienced, <clears throat> but, but not at all learning to submit to it, to live under it. Our will continues to be the leader of our lives. We, we run off in our own mind. We now believe in the Bible. We've been convic- convinced or <clears throat> convicted that the Bible is true, but we, but we haven't learned 
to submit to a new teacher. We haven't found, we found a new book and the book is all true, but we haven't actually come underneath a new teacher and our mind runs off. It runs off into conclusions. It runs off into theologies. It runs off into, into our own ideas, our own concepts. It takes a little bit that we have seen. We have loved the light. We mix it with a bunch of our own imaginations and our own ideas. We make this big, ugly soup of, of what Christianity is supposed to mean to me in my life that happens to fit very nicely with my own uh, will and activities. And, uh, and, we, and we leave the Spirit of God behind. I mean, he's still there, and he's still real, but we're off somewhere else. We run into um, s- services or activities or, um, or, or do, trying to do things for him, or get, we get excited about ministry and, and getting busy for the, doing the stuff that God wants us to do, be, be, but, but without the Spirit. We run into, and, and, and when we do that, it's not that those things are bad. It's just that we, we we say there's so much to do and we have so many ideas of how to do it and we say there's such a great need, but, but then we run away from the only one that can make any of those things fruitful and meaningful, both to ourselves and to the ones that we're ministering to. And, and what we end up ministering generally is something of ourself we we offer people our own fragrance we offer people our own flavor and we try to get them to be like us and we create ministries and we create churches and we we're, we're trying to instead of reproducing sons of the spirit who live in the spirit and walk in the spirit and love the spirit and turn to the spirit we we create uh create sons of our own ideas and we are really feel really successful when people in our ministry look and live just like we do i think everybody would say that the spirit of god has to do all the work i think i think there's very few christians who would disagree with that statement everyone would say oh yeah the spirit of god has the power he's got to do it but very few stay with him or learn what it means to stay with him. So what does it mean to stay with him? That's, that's a really good question. And I, I feel like it took me so long. And I'm, I, I say these things as one who is still very much in a place where I'm learning what this means. But I, I feel like I didn't even ask that question or even really seek an answer to that question for a lot of years as a Christian, which is which was really, uh, I think, foolish thing to do. Seeing in Scripture that all of these script, all, all, all of the New Testament speaks so clearly of walking and living and praying and speaking and loving in the Spirit. I, sh- I think I should have asked a long time ago, much earlier than I did, how do I stay with the Spirit so that He's doing the things in me that are being done? Well, I just I, I have a few things to present um, in the time that we have left that have become really clear and really important to me. One of them is the understanding at the outset of our journey, and I wish everyone would hear this when they begin 
to feel those stirrings and awakenings and convictings and convincings of the spirit at the very beginning. I, I wish everyone, even if they read, I mean, they they do read it all over the New Testament, but I wish that, that, that those who spoke about Christ, about Christianity, would say it to everyone, even if it's rejected by them. It's still true and it needs to be said. And, and, and what that is, is the understanding that that following Christ, that being a real Christian at the very outset is a forfeiture of your own will. It's, it's, it's ceasing to follow your will as a leader. Everyone who has ever been born of a woman and has lived in the flesh has, has had a leader for their life. And their leader has been their own will. What they have wanted has been, everything else follows the will. The will wants something, the body will do it. The will wants something, it doesn't matter if it's hard, it doesn't matter if it's difficult, people will do all kinds of hard things to their body if their will wants something. If the will wants something, the brain will justify it, defend it, study it, research it, find a way to get it. That's why we have that saying, where there's a will, there's a way. That's true. When your will is your leader, you'll do what you need with your body to get to that will. You'll do, you'll, you'll do what you'll need, whatever you, whatever you need to do with your, with your mind or with your brain to, 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 to get that. And everything follows your will. And, and everybody that's ever lived in the flesh has had a fleshly, selfish will as the leader of, of our life. And yet the very first thing, now, and if you doubt what I say here, just go to the Gospels and look at what Jesus said, okay? Look at what he said over and over and over again to anyone that wanted to follow him and be his disciple. The first thing that being a Christian means is that your will can no longer be your leader and has to come under the leadership of another. If you try to skip that step, then you've, you've skipped the door. You've skipped the beginning. You've, you've thrown away the key. You, 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 can't, you can't skip that step. You can't think that you can live in your own life and follow your own will and do your own thing and, 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 and forge your own path and, 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 uh, pursue your your own dreams and and take God with you, take Christianity with you, take Christ with you. I know that's a that's a very um, that's a very common idea in the church today. In, invite God into your life; things will go better. He'll protect what's important to you. He'll bless where, whatever you want to do, and he'll put a parachute on your back for when things get um, close to the end. That's just not anywhere in, in Scripture. What is in Scripture are a whole bunch of statements like, if you love your life, you'll, you'll, you'll lose it. If you hate your life in this life, you'll find a different life, a new life. No one can be my disciple unless he loses his life and follows me. Can I go bury my father first? Let the dead bury their dead. You, you follow me. 
those are the kinds of statements that were the the very uh, beginning, the invitation to what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And the way to be, I'm not saying you have to be good at it when you start. I'm not saying you have to, in, in one step, just be able to do it. That's absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, that's impossible. That's, that's the only life you've known is the one that the Lord is asking you to lay down. It's the only will you've known, except for this new stirring little will that you feel from time to time uh, jumping up inside of you or, or, or convicting you or showing you that there's a different way to, to go. That's a different will that comes from a different source. And maybe you have tasted it and felt it, but the one that's still reigning in you, living in you, stirring in you, motivating you, moving you to do what you do and to not do what you don't do. That's the only leader that you've known. And the way to be a disciple of Christ, the way to start this journey is to understand that you have to surrender that will, that life, to Christ. I I often, I think, I don't think it was in this meeting, but I, I often think about um, John... This thing that Jesus says to to, um, to Peter at the end end of the book of John, the Gospel of John, and I think most people understand this g- generally as just being um, the the way that Peter would glorify um, God in his physical death. But I see I see more in it than that. It, it um, Jesus is talking to to Peter and he's saying like, do you love me, Peter? And he's saying, yeah, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And then he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And in that little statement, is to me <laughs> what it means to grow up in Christ. When you were young, you actually you did what you wanted and you wore what you wanted and you went where you wanted. But as you grow in this journey, you won't do what you want and you won't wear what you want and go where you want, but you'll be led by another and you'll stretch out your hands. Isn't that kind of what he says? Yeah, stretch out your hand. I think, you know, that's re- referring to, I think, the cross, the, the dying on the cross. You'll stretch out your hands and be nailed to, uh, and nailed to a cross. So, staying with the Spirit at the very outset means that your own will cannot be your leader. It means that you have to understand that today is about being led. Okay? Tomorrow is about being led. Being led by the Spirit. Being taught by the Spirit. Being changed by the Spirit. And I don't mean that you're going to get specific instructions on the affairs of daily life. I don't usually get specific instructions. I don't think I almost ever get if ever, get 
instructions on the affairs of day. When I say being being willing to be led today by the Spirit of God, I don't I don't mean just waiting and sitting on the couch until He tells you to go brush your teeth. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about today must be surrendered to Him in such a way that you are now doing things with a view with with your heart looking unto him i'm i'm not talking about asking for instructions about daily life but i am talking about having everything in our daily life being submitted to him done unto him done before him done in a way that has a view to pleasing him done in a way that you're willing to be corrected by him in all of those things and not living anymore today for your own personal independent pursuits for self. And, and I think you'll find that though he's not going to pull out a day planner and tell you every activity you're supposed to do today, I think you are going to find if the will is submitted and today becomes about turning to that spirit and submitting to that spirit, you're going to find that he begins to bring correction and steering and conviction and feelings of discomfort in things that used to feel very comfortable and pleasant. Having him now as your leader. All right, let me just say one more thing before we open it up to some discussion. I think another thing, another way maybe even to say the same thing, but or to get into a little more specifics about what I just said is another thing that it means to be, to stay close to the spirit in a practical way. It means actively turning to, like learning to live your life in the presence of God all the time. Gone must be the days of thinking that Christianity is something you do sometimes. That has to be over. If, if Christianity is something you do sometimes, then flesh is something you're doing the rest of the time. The reality of living in his presence, living before him, or as David says, I, I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord is at my right hand. Um, has to become something that is practiced by all of us every day. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways of saying it. There's there, you could say to be watchful. Learn to watch and wait in the light. You can say. As Jesus says, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. That's a good way to say it. You can say, as Paul says, we must learn to pray without ceasing. Or at all times, to pray in the Spirit with thanksgiving. At all times, to pray in the Spirit with thanksgiving. That's not, that's not just repeating words over and over again. That's a heart's turning communing, submitting, watching, waiting, looking to the Spirit of God in all times. You could say it another another 
verse or some more, some more language from the New Testament. Fixing your eyes on things above and not on things that are below. That's another way to say the same thing. Looking at things that are unseen and not at things that are seen. That's another way to say it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's another way to say it. Or you go back to the Old Testament and and look at some of the pictures and types and shadows. Keeping your eyes on the fire, the pillar of fire that is above the tabernacle and making sure you move with it. And when it holds still, you hold still. And when it moves, you move. That's another picture, I think, of the same thing. Uh, walking in the light, John, First John, as he is in the light. That is uh, something that has become a, a real, uh, just an incredibly important thing uh, to me as I've tried to learn what it means to stay with the Spirit. The first thing is understanding that it means a renunciation of my will. The second thing is learning to live with my heart and my eyes turned towards him. Practicing his presence is another, it's not a biblical phrase, but it's a good phrase to to understand that all that you do is done in his presence. Um, Keeping your eyes turned towards him, being watchful, prayerful, looking, waiting, watching, all of those things have been... um, have been really vital in, in helping me understand what it means to stay stay with the Spirit. And I think I'm going to probably just stop right there.